This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where, unfortunately, the Seahawks in a massive road game have been blown out in terrible fashion to the Baltimore Ravens, 37-3. It is the tide for the second worst loss of the Pete Carroll era behind their 42-7 loss to the Rams in 2017. They also lost by 34 points in 2010, 41-7 to the New York Giants, for those of you who remember that. Other figures which kind of paint how how bad this was, the Ravens had 29 first downs, the Seahawks had six. The Ravens had 515 total yards, the Seahawks had 151. The Ravens ran 75 total plays to the Seahawks 47. The Ravens had 6.9 yards per play, Seattle 3.2. The Ravens 298 rushing yards, Seattle 28. The Ravens 7.3 yards per carry, Seattle 1.9. The Ravens 26 completion, Seattle 13. The Ravens 20, uh, sorry, four sacks, Seattle one sack. And then the Ravens time of possession, 40 minutes, four seconds to Seattle's 19 minutes, 56 seconds with the football. And uh, yeah, Griff, you're, you're scouring the Twitter timeline for some cope, but come on, man, that was, that was bad. I am the co. Oh no, that was horrible, man. That was terrible. I, I you know, I'm not saying otherwise. Um, I'm not saying you're saying otherwise. Okay, like, that's weirdly defensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You thought you were being weirdly. Um, I turned a little skittish I mean, there, bro. You, uh, you set it up though that I'm looking for cope in spite of it being bad. Oh yeah, I did say that. Shit. <laughs> yeah, Maddie. Um, it, it was really bad. This was the huge test to see if they can take the leap from playing well against, you know, teams that I think are below them to see how well they can perform against the heavy hitters, in the NFC, the Eagles, the 49ers and the Cowboys. Um, and the test was via, you know, the best team in the AFC or one of the two or three best teams of the AFC. And they, they failed miserably, um, horrifically. Um, so they're, they're now the new next test is how do they recover from this? Can they reestablish what they were before this game and then try to then take another leap? Um, so that's kind of where they need to be at now. So um, unfortunately, it's it's not where we wanted to be at all. Um, they were bad at everything this game. Like there wasn't a single thing that they've done well all year, no matter how granular you get, how specific you get. They didn't. And nothing that they've done well this year carried over into this game. They were bad at at everything, every bucket, every category. Again, no matter how how much you slice it up, they were just horrific. And everyone got outplayed. Um, I don't think the the game plan was good. The communication was bad. The things that are in their control was bad. The things that are less out of their control was bad. Um, things compounded, you know, made worse. Um, you know. So it was it was um, it was just bad all around. They 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 got beat up on the road by probably one of the best teams in the NFL, maybe the best team in the NFL, on the 10 a.m. game, and it was just horrific. And I think that they're much better than that. But um, yeah, it sucks to be on this end of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was going to be a 
a great test for them and, and maybe an eye-opening experience and uh i mean maybe it was an eye-opening experience but not for the reasons that we were hoping for uh you know it's kind of uh it, it feels like a culmination of all the uh the issues and concerns that have cropped up over the last few weeks um just in a very very extreme manner um yeah just really really disappointing <laughs> like really really disappointing really depressing uh there's nothing good to take away from this this is terrible uh but like you said griff this is uh, gonna be a great test for them and seeing how they they bounce back how they respond to this um because they got their ass beat today like there's no way around it they just this was a straight up ass beating <laughs> like of, yeah. of epic proportions like terrible terrible stuff terrible football across the board all three phases they failed miserably and uh you know the road isn't going to get much easier for them from the rest of the way uh forward so they got to get their shit together and relatively quick here or things could unravel um so yeah i'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit on this show and over the course of the week but yeah nothing good to take away from this Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's what sucked for me that kind of culmination of it like heading into this game you know okay it's a tough road game uh, in terms of it being on the east coast uh 10 a.m start for seattle's time frame but they're used to that and they've performed well in those early kickoffs before and it looked like an opportunity to go up against a six and two afc team you at the time of five and two you were contending for best team in the nfc and the cowboys almost beat the eagles today so you could have been really pushing up for that seed potentially could have would have should have but instead yeah. it is that culmination of a lot of issues coming to the forefront where the offense they have issues which have been present in previous games and they continue throughout the game and against a good opponent we you know we said uh, i think last week how they wouldn't be able to get away of stuff for this long against a good opponent well baltimore they didn't have a backup quarterback in the game they had a complete offensive performance and defensively they were absolutely dominant along with seattle what was most disappointing is a lot of the errors felt uh, self-inflicted i found it telling how i mean if we focus on something which was good to start off with you know uh, the first two baltimore drives ended in punts then they scored mm-hmm. a touchdown uh, yeah. then boye mafe had his sack fumble which was really impressive then they scored a touchdown then uh, there was another Baltimore fumble, which Seattle recovered at the end of half. Um, and really, the defense was playing okay football in that first half. It was up and down. They were a very talented opponent. There was some self-inflicted things where it looked like, you know, a guy who was meant to play the quarterback just didn't play the quarterback. There was also some really good uh, Baltimore play design. I felt the defense was okay in that first half. And I, I tweeted, you know, I don't think we should overreact because then in that uh, third quarter in particular is field goal, field goal, field goal. They were kind of holding their own despite uh, some really skewed time for possession and all that stuff. But what was disappointing and what Pete Carroll went to in his opening statement of his press conference as he does after the games is the way that they, after that turnover where Trey Brown forced the fumble from Odell Beckham Jr., uh, really kind of crazy kind of play, they were, it was 14-3 at the time and they could have made it 14-6, 14-10. Instead, they just absolutely crapped their pants. And um, Baltimore goes up. Um, did they score a field goal there? Yeah, they went up 17-3. Yeah, to uh, And they're still, you know, two-score game becoming an, a two-score game. But mm-hmm. And credit to the defense for holding them out again, basically. But it was just... Uh, 
yikes. Um, and and yeah. so I guess that transitions us to the offense where Geno Smith, um, there's a lot of conversation around him and you can look at his success rate, his EPA, his completion percentage over expectation, and also the tape, which we've looked at in previous weeks, to show that he's actually played fairly good football. Um, it, you know, whether you look at metrics or different tape over the past few weeks, but there have been errors creeping in. And uh, particularly the past two weeks, or, or maybe three, there's been inaccuracy missing throws. And, and this one here, the, the, the interception to Tyler Lockett, uh, in the kind of honey hole of um, palms, wasn't it? It looked like to I think me. So yeah. Like, but basically, cover two. He throws that inside. And it might have three. been a late rotation to cover two, actually. That might explain <laughs> it. I mean, I just don't understand why he throws that inside and 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 sort of a weird trajectory for Lockett. Um, bad pick and and kind of a off the mark deal where we've seen that creep in. Last week he missed Metcalf on a slant. Uh, he threw a pick to JSN uh, against uh, Cincinnati where he was overly confident in his coverage read, but also the ball placement was really kind of off on that. And I, I don't know, what, Griff, where are you at of Gino? Because, I mean, my take is that a lot of this is him really trying to get the ball out fast because he's conscious that the offensive line is struggling or he's conscious that it's third down, he wants to get the ball out and, and, and he knows what the coverage is and he... He's confident in his coverage read. And often while his coverage read is correct and, you know, he's got the right kind of on-paper beta, the the mistakes seem to be happening where he's he's kind of... Well, it's two things. I think he's pressing a bit and forcing the ball into stuff where it's not there mm. post-snap, even if the coverage is what he thought and they've got the, you know, on-paper beta for it. But then, to that inaccuracy I spoke about where, I mean, I guess if you're rushing a process, then the ball can be more inaccurate as well. Yeah, um, I, I'm more worried about the the general accuracy regression that's going on. More so, really, just the last two games. Um, that that one Mills concept in the end zone, he ended up under throwing DK. I mean, he had it. He had the touchdown. He read it right. He got the ball out, ball out on time, and he just threw a bad ball. Um, last week against the Browns, like their structure was good. I thought the play calling was good enough that if Gino was just sharper in those middle drives and in the, in the middle quarters of the game. They score more points. Um, so I, trying to isolate Gino, I mean, I don't think that his process was poor this game with the exception of the, the wonky interception. Um, I, I am concerned about the accuracy, but trying to isolate the quarterback play, I don't even know, like, uh, you know, as the saying goes, once we get a look at the tape, but I don't know what, even what the utility is in it because I didn't really see there being any room to execute anything. Um, I don't think the receivers were getting open. I think the... The O-line played surprisingly poorly. Um, I, I know that obviously they had four out of five uh, starters in, um, but like Damian Lewis and Charles Cross were losing, and that's it was frequently, and that's really frustrating because the Ravens, they don't get a lot of pressure with their front four. What they do is they convert a lot of the pressure they do get into sacks. So the, the offensive line had an opportunity to show that they can play – decent football against a defensive line that is less talented than the Cleveland Browns, less talented than the Bengals even in terms of just their front four and show that they can actually survive a little bit. And they absolutely crumpled. Um, and so, I mean, th there was just, it's, and I think that there might be a little bit of a lag effect there for Gino 
This is coming up now on the the eighth game of poor protection, really this year. With some games with you know a little bit better than than not, but a lot of scheme helping it out. And then the final six seven games of last year, and I'm afraid that it's going to start. It's going to beget certain habits in Gino and his process, and more so, like you know, like the antsy stuff, like the stuff that you can't really put your point your finger at exactly. Um, but I'm afraid that. He's because you know we know that he can kind of play frustrated at times when he gets in a rep. Sometimes mm-hmm. it makes sometimes it makes him better. Like it focuses him in. It's a double edged sword. But I just think that, um, like, my thing is, if you want a better quarterback, fine. But this team with a better quarterback isn't going anywhere with the the circumstances surrounding the quarterback playing the way that they're playing right now. And that's like ultimately, like if this if this team was going to compete for the conference. It's not going to do that, no matter who the quarterback is, with the O line playing the way that it is. Now, the the only the only thing that I've got there is that you know it's their first of those four. It's their first game all together, right? Right. Um, so you know continuity and everything, but still, I would have preferred a better performance, even controlling for all those. Right. And, and Griff, right. like, um, Ty, I'll bring you in a sec. Sorry, but uh, the the way that the Damien Lewis and Charles Cross got beat on that tackle end exchange. That's a communication thing. Um, the way that the zone blocking, the combinations are struggling. That could be a you know chemistry thing as well. But uh, yeah, Ty, where are you at with Gino? Yeah, I mean, it's what I said on Twitter during the game that like, look, no one's saying that Gino's playing well in this game, but it's very obvious that. The issues that this offense experienced today, it's not just on the quarterback. It's not just on one entity in general. I, I think there's just very clearly structural issues with the offense today. Um, and I think part of that, I mean, a big part of that is is the offensive line, which has been a problem for most of the year because of the injuries. They've had to account for a lot of that and uh, contort their offense in, in accordance with that as well. And so, you know, I... It's hard for any quarterback to play well under dress, especially as much as Gino was today. Um, I just I don't think that there's a, a clear answer here. Like they just straight up like they they just have to execute better in, in multiple facets. Um, and I think naturally Gino's play will just improve if the rest of everything else improves, right? It's just, it's a lot to ask of him. That's not to excuse him because he's obviously had some very poor plays here. Uh, some really bad mistakes, some really uncharacteristic mistakes and accuracy issues. But the offense as a whole, the offense as, a, as an entire unit has to figure it out. And I think just naturally that's going to make everything better. Most importantly, Gina, right? Right. So, um, the Pete Carroll afterwards kind of agrees with what we are saying, where he, he said how um, he highlighted that they went only one for 12 on third down, which is abysmal and it's hard to, to do that. But he described how they got rushed pretty good by um, and how they mixed their stuff really well um, and how it was hard. So, you know, kind of echoing our comments on the offensive line. And then also... Uh, he he mentioned how he doesn't think it's about Geno Smith. Uh, he thinks it's about the whole football team not answering the bell. 
and when they're rushing the pass, it's not Gino. He's also asked about the fact that Gino Smith now has eight turnovers in the last four games. And he said, yeah, of course, you know, he's concerned about that, but mentioned, pointed out that Gino Smith's sack fumble was the pass rush and Charles Cross getting beat by a speed rush mm-hmm. around the edge. And then the pick was, you know, a bad, a bad overthrow. But Against he, Kyle Van Noy, by the way, which is yeah, disturbing. Yeah, the, the, the speed rush, yeah. yeah very concerning, really. That shouldn't yeah. be happening to Cross, especially at this stage, but we'll see how he adjusts to that. Um, but uh, Carol also mentioned how, you know, even with Gino turning the ball over eight times in the last four games, until until this game, at least, to the last three games, uh, it took Seattle to first place, that kind of play style, whatever the heck we'd been doing. But then highlighted, they didn't play like a first place team today, and those turnovers really made it hard to win. So, I think that's all kind of fair stuff. And uh, ultimately, it kind of brings me on to uh, Shane Waldron. And again, we, we mentioned how it's a culmination of things. Well, it seems weird to me, Griff, how this offense had the the most kind of... And uh, when you mention stuff like identity and things being joined up or making sense, really, that just means m- moving the ball. Like, I, I don't think... You know, if if they score touchdowns on plays, you don't care what they're doing. But when yeah. when you start going for three and out, then you start really kind of noticing it. Um, just as a general overview, obviously we're nerdy and pay attention to stuff, but or, or spend time on stuff. But what I was thinking is, it's crazy to me how they have they the most identity it's felt this offense has had is when they had both backup tackles in, so cross out Abraham Lucas out. And they went into multiple tight end sets, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. And okay, that does coincide with when they scored a bunch of points against Detroit. But that felt like they had a real kind of structure. And maybe it was just that, you know, that particular silo of 12 personnel, 13 personnel under center and how they were sprinkling the tight ends with their their shotgun plan. Uh, You know, they had all these plays which were working, so they felt more comfortable layering it off. But as we've discussed in the past, the kind of siloed nature of this offense and how each look and each personnel has a number of plays in it. And when those plays don't work, it kind of feels like they're moving on to the next bucket, the next silo, the next look, and calling the next load of plays without the men really working and it feeling like lo- a bunch of ineffective change-ups without really like a, you know, a fast mm-hmm. speed pitch, um, like a, a number one pitch. Um, what do you call that? A fastball. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ty. Um <laughs> He's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? He's mental. Uh, I, I was I was too busy charting uh, second and eight plus runs today oh, for the oh Seahawks. Boy. Oh brother, yeah. um, Griff. There were three of them, by the way. What, nice. Griff? Are you with yeah. me on that kind of? Where are you at with Waldron? Because the identity thing, um, it, it, it just it's always going to be bad when the offense isn't doing well. But like, well, you, you know, the my thing, like like I said last week, is when you when you have silos of offense, like 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 you've put it well like the the upshot of that is you have formational diversity you have personal diversity and multiplicity and all those buzzwords sound great and then when it doesn't work everything feels choppy because as you move out of one silo to the other the plays within each silo don't really connect to the other one they don't sequence together right only the plays within each silo sequence into the next one so like like plays from silo x set up future plays in silo x but they don't set up the next play which might be in silo y for example it feels really gimmicky right 
Uh, I mean, when it, I mean, maybe. I mean, I think it's good to have you to have a bunch of tight ends and have a good twelve personnel package. I think it's good to have three really good receivers and theoretically be good in eleven, or you should be good in eleven. And you got to use it. Um, blending it together is maybe where you kind of relieve that idea that it feels gimmicky. Maybe they they need to try to sequence some of it together. But um, I mean, like in theory, they could access their entire offense out of twelve. In theory, they can access the whole offense out of 11. Um, I really think like today the issue is just, I mean, maybe maybe Waldron could have done more to give the receivers space a little bit, kind of scheme them into space a little bit, get things rolling. But I really think the execution like made it such that it just didn't matter. Now that can be circular, right? Like if, if one, if you can get going in one area that can help the execution, the execution helps the play calling, et cetera, et cetera, right? But like last week against the Browns, I actually thought the play calling was fine. After I watched the tape, I actually felt pretty good about the offense. The execution the just stunk, right? The, 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 it, it stalled with the execution. Like that's to me, like I'm being critical of Gino there, and like Gino was poor in things in the in the second and third quarter against the Browns that he had not been poor at all year long. Like like missing guys in quick game, um, along example. with the penalties and 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 receivers uh, not running the correct route and right. and, and stuff like that. And, and yeah. to that point, now there is like the, 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 the decision to throw the ball on the interception, you can still criticize that, go for it. But there also was still a miscommunication between quarterback and receiver. At what point is that like the coaching of the offense? Like not the scheming of the play calling, but the actual mm. coaching of it. So that's something we need to think about. Is that Sanjay Law? I mean, I have no idea. Are they? Right? Are but they, I'm, Griff? I'm just... um, are they trying to take the? Have they tried to take this offense a bit too far and been a bit too ambitious from that kind of year one to year two leap with, with Gina? I mean, Gina's obviously very smart uh, and, and understands. Um, you can just see it from his play style. Understands uh, defensive structures and everything. But in terms of the amount of receiver mix-ups that are taking place right now, it's. It's kind of wild, and I mean, it, you know, it it's easy be. to overreact to something, a, a massive game like this. But there might be something there. No, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it, it could be, and like you know, if if they go and handle business against the Commanders, do we just chalk it? Do we just chalk it up to the differences in opposing team talent? Like, well, I don't know. It's got to be part of it, hasn't it? But um, it, it's yeah, certainly a variable. And McDonald seemed Mike McDonald of Ravens DC. He seemed to have a real good eye on what and again we're just reacting broadcast we haven't watched the all 22 but what each look represented for seattle and like what each personnel grouping was going to present and how to attack that and you know what series of plays he had to defend and like a good example or one which kind of sticks out in my mind is when they were doing their their split backfield gun stuff and and (laughs) shifting around and and they pressured that um weak side back, I think it was Queen, right into the teeth of Gino's bootleg. Like, they knew basically uh, yeah, what they yeah. were likely to get there. Like, yeah. they're highly predictable. Yeah. Um, and on the point of execution, Ty, <coughs> you, you were saying before uh, we got on air about uh, that JSN uh, bobbled drop on third down. There was something <laughs> the, cursed right. about that. Yeah, no, that was like a bad omen, right? Like, like I, when that I, happened, yeah. I was just like, oh, no, oh, no. But then, you know, they were able to, what, they, they got three and out on the Ravens' first drive, right? Or the Ravens got, like, a first down, and then they they were able to get off the field. Well, then that, so that like, second third down was good, too. And, like, I thought, like, oh, they're actually kind of off to a 
a competent start. Yeah, Gino made a really nice throw to lock it down the mm-hmm. sideline. Like I was like, okay. And then, um, then uh, Jason Peters came in and uh, full started. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. did. Now, uh, also, like the interception was the only time that that uh, Gino and Lockett miscommunicated. I think it was on that second drive of the game when uh, I think it was maybe the second down right before they punted, and I think Gino wanted him to bend that route down a little bit more, and uh, Gino just had to kind of plant the ball on the ground and like you can see him talking to Lockett so like clearly they weren't on the same page today no so, yeah I don't know yeah like just what? they were all kinds of out of sorts and this is um this is to do with the O-line execution but I think also it felt there was a concerted effort at least uh, to start the game of first down under center wide zone or mid zone weak mid zone runs and they got nothing. Like yeah. there's one, two yards there on the day. Seattle had 15 rush attempts, 1.9 yards per carry. I think there's probably a Geno um, scramble or two in there, but they just couldn't run the ball. And as much as like Walker's dancing and and stuff, uh, especially when watching live, you're like, why is he? Why is he doing that? I, I really think there wasn't much more there. And I think the tape as it has done in previous games, watching Walker will back that up where they got yeah. absolutely worked up front. Like the, the Ravens yeah. did d- disgusting things to, to Seattle's O-line, run game, passer, uh, rush, um, blitzing. Um, and some of that's play calling as well. Like the McDonald having a much better game than Waldron did. Yeah. But um, uh, some of that's execution. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. Well, and the it's it's really unfortunate that they played so poorly against the Blitz too, because, I mean, coming into this game, Gino had the third lowest sack rate when blitzed or when rushed by five or more rushers. He had a two percent sack rate against the Blitz. He also was third, top three in almost every measure, adjusted net yards uh, per attempt, um, like EPA points earned per play. Uh, success rate like he's been elite against the blitz this year and for them to have no no answer against their blitz well I mean again they kind of started off that way and then it just everything just fell apart and I don't I don't know I mean I really want to watch the tape just because I want to see like where the breakdowns were happening against structure but then a lot of it is like maybe maybe we'll find examples of them being sound assignment wise and then just losing anyway and it, and it being undercut by poor execution um they, they needed to play they needed to play their best game and they probably like irrespective of opponent and they they easily played their worst game of the season even worse than that Rams game yeah but what's troubling to me is the the offense has been doing this like I don't think this is a this doesn't feel to me like a complete shocker or surprise like I, I was I, I was hoping <coughs> that they would be able to as I said at the start match their the, like the test of an opponent and correct things and that last week being more execution based rather than um maybe like a play calling thing like the plays being there to make but them kind of shooting themselves in the foot uh execution wise was kind of an evolution of the problem and that they'd then be able to correct that and be fine uh but instead to me the like just from an overall perspective think about how many points the offensive scored which is such a basic way of looking at it but they and they haven't scored that many points uh, this season. They've well, had then, stalling periods and no offense in the, the NFL. That's the red zone though, problem, right? 
right, a red zone problem and a third down problem. And that was what they came into the season really wanting to uh, correct and fix. And you can point to the banged up offensive line as well. Oh, as I dropped something, kind of sums up the day. I, I guess also it's disappointing because, you know, this was the game where Damian Lewis, Evan Brown, um, Phil Haynes and Charles Cross are in there. The four of the five projected starts heading into the year are playing up front and they just doesn't, you, yeah. you couldn't tell. Like they, 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 they didn't do, like I said in the beginning, they didn't do anything well this game that they have done well this year, even in the last three games that have felt frustrating. They didn't move the ball on early downs. They didn't move the ball outside of the red zone. Uh, I mean, they didn't run the ball and under center well against the Ravens who do not have a good under center run defense. And the Seahawks do have a good under center run offense. They didn't do that well either. So, like, just there is zero category that the Seahawks did well in this game that they've been doing well in. Yeah. Um, I mean, they all just laid an egg, like all of them. Every yeah. single player, quarterback, coaching staff, receivers. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Lockett came to play early on, but I think he was getting blanketed. Dave Wyman said in, the, in his post game because, you know, he's up in the skybox. He, he can see everything. He was talking about it. He's like, they're losing downfield. They're, 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 yeah, they're and losing. Romo did um, show one or two plays where, uh, w w you know, with one of those wide angles or just end zone angles where they were clamped. Yeah. Like, absolutely clamped. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those days where it feels like the Ravens have like 14 dudes on the field. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And that's, again, credit to McDonald. That's what he does. I just thought they would have been able to compete a little bit for lack of a better term against that i honestly thought their structure was kind of built for what the ravens do um and obviously that was wrong um l yeah so, l. Uh, so ultimately <laughs> we're you know it's p carroll standing by his quarterback is is obvious but um you know the, it would be crazy to turn on him um given you know the the body of work that we've seen well well, and again, nope. this is the, these are more structural issues. This is not just the quarterback right. is playing bad. Like the right, like <laughs> Drew Locke is going to do the same exact thing, and maybe even worse. You know, yeah. in this, well, he's taking more sacks beyond a doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but what I would say is, if if um, the third down thing doesn't improve by the end of the season, say, uh, or you know, they're inconsistent in the red zone again I mean, they barely reached the red zone how many first downs did they have in this game uh six, zero. Right? six. Oh, no. like that. six yeah six, they, 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 they got in the red zone once on the right dk 50 yarder and then that's right I think that was it that's right i think that's it yeah yeah um anyway if if this doesn't correct itself ultimately it um will fall on the uh quarterback and Next year, I don't know if we'll see Gino as the starter, but that is very um, that is very early to. It's just a fact, but I don't. There's nothing to say that it can't improve. It's just how um, that's when it will be decided. Like right. uh, it, that's kind of where I'm going with that. It's not going to happen in, in the sea. Like Gino's nowhere near playing bad enough. Uh, for that to be the case right now. I mean, he's people don't want to. I mean, he's playing like a top 12 quarterback still. And I know that's to some people an unconscionable statement, but 
he has um Overruled he's prevent it, yeah. he's prevented so much more negative plays than I think people realize. Yeah. Um mm. and and a lot of the stuff that is preventing them from being better is honestly just kind of a combination of things out of his control and randomness and variance. Um with I mean, the it, with the mistakes that um have right. started so, to creep. So he he compounds it. He he compounds it, but he's not he's not you know ground zero for it. and t- in two weeks time as far as how it translate as like how we how we connect this to long-term narratives and stuff i wonder how we'll feel in two weeks time if they're seven and three i think they are seven and three in two weeks yeah so the the context there being that the next two games are the commanders um and then at the 49ers i thought Wait, it was rams next i thought it was rams after that it is yeah. sorry yeah yeah uh, at the Rams, then at home to the 49ers, right? And it yeah. might, and Stafford might not be playing in that game. We'll have to see. So. Yeah. Okay, I hope so he does, honestly, but that is uh, because you, you want you want your salty run back. I'm not afraid to so, take a stand. Okay, enough. Um, is, uh, oh, we don't want to get copyright strike. It, are there any positives? Yeah, it's very. I mean, you kind of got a, you, you got an M M&M, and M like a Washington M M&M and M voucher group. <laughs> you could rival Macklemore. No, no. Um, not. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm your biggest fan, Griff. Um, so I feel so. Cool what, are there right any now? positives about the offense? Other than no one got hurt. That's a W. I I thought. It was cool how uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba caught a downfield target on like a slot fade. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Did you turn um, off before that? Or no, 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 that was cool. It did happen, right? Well, okay. Here's one positive. I like that Gino's process didn't implode. Like he was trying, even as it was like he never stopped trying to be the same quarterback he's ever he's always been. Yep, um, yeah, he, he gave. Didn't... Tried to give DK up. a chance on that fourth down. Uh, late in the game on the third down, he goes out the pocket and he, he doesn't force a drip, like an abysmal pick. He just, like, it protects the football. He didn't completely melt down. I, yeah, I think that's I a mean, good he, point. He, tr- he tried to give the pocket what was there. He tried to take what the pocket gave him. Played quarterback. I'm not, I'm not yeah, I'm not saying he played well in spite of it all. I'm just saying, like, the, the, like, the under-the-hood look his oper operating was still there. Like there's still the heartbeat to what he's trying to do. Yeah. And I think that that is a, the thinnest of silver linings to, to take away. Um, probably felt good for Jackson to make that catch too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the- outside of that, they all tried, they all tried really hard. <laughs> Yeah, do you Good see job. um uh, afterwards Jamal Adams was asked uh what went well and he was like, Well, we woke up this morning. <laughs> so we're, still alive. <laughs> we're still alive. Um, yeah. um and that transitions off towards the defense where they played some fairly solid football in the first half. But they completely just, uh, I mean, they got time of possession to death. You know, they were holding them to field goals and then it just melted down. Yeah. Um, and I, I think part of that is being tired, but I mean, Pete Carroll wasn't um, 
he wasn't laying it on nicely. He said that they forgot to tackle in the second half and they couldn't get people on the ground. And that's what he's going to be looking at the most in what he's concerned about is why it happened like that. Because, yeah. uh, and also there were some weird were... things with like the run fits where Jaron Reed after the game is saying about how guys need to hold their gap, even if they're on the backside or the front side being disciplined and how they can play much better than that. Yeah. So there's, there's, I mean, maybe there's some things of guys overpressing. Maybe they were trying to get the football out on, on some of those missed tackles. But the, the, yeah, it, it, it wasn't great from the defense, and it, it's just a kind of a crappy way to, to end it. I mean, it, I, I agree that the first half, two hundred ninety-eight yards rushing, basically three hundred without the kneel downs. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree that the first half they they had some life to them. Um. But so I mean it's frustrating that like <laughs> all right, I mean Tariq Woolen, Devin Witherspoon, Trey Brown, you look at the ideas of what those players are and you compare them to what the ideas of what the Ravens receivers are. The Seahawks are more talented on the perimeter and they just got beat in a lot of one on one situations. They just got beat. Um you know that that's uh, that's frustrating. Um, I that's not something that I expect to continue. I mean, they played that game like they did like week one, they play that game like they did week two on third downs and week three on third downs, you know, um, after finally kind of getting it together, like that Bengals game, the exception of a couple of Jamar catches in the first half, they blanketed a very talented receiving core. So the silver lining is I don't expect that to maintain the, the negative play that we saw today. It's a little, maybe Woolen though, Maddie, like you tweeted, maybe he's got something going on with his knee. I don't know. Maybe I just need, think need to get uh, just, mind, just, right? just, just on that point, I'm sure his knees, like, you know, he's obviously medically cleared to go play a massively violent sport. But, like, I, so I've i never had an operation like that. or But, and hopefully I don't have to, but you never know. But just movement-wise, especially at this level that these dudes are playing at, it, I think it will just take some getting used to. Along with that, he missed all the off-season reps. Pete Carroll said, like, after the season that, like, he's really excited about the kind of technique stuff they can sharpen up, refine with him, paraphrasing there. But like, you know, year one to year two, year one, he was so successful. I mean, he did take to what they were coaching very quickly, but predominantly he lent on his amazing athletic ability along with, you know, a, a, a nose for getting the football and, and good drive and stuff like that. But in that second year, you felt if he could really sharpen stuff up, especially when receivers have extra tape on him, um, you know, they, they kind of know his weaknesses, strengths, they can really study his game. He'd be all right. But I think this is just put him behind the, the, in a lot of facets really. And along with the fact that he just needs to get used to moving around again with that knee. So yeah, sorry for, for interrupting you. Did you have a head of steam there, Griffin? Now I've, I've stopped it. No, um, I mean the, <laughs> What? Nothing. Okay. Uh, I think the other silver lining, though, is that it's cool that Boye Mafe continues to be really good. Yep. Yep. That's a big positive, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. he, that was an amazing sack. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you guys, yeah, and, I think you guys can a... tell that we're not enthused. Yeah, he had an, he, he had another good rush before that too on that one crazy Lamar scramble. But I mean, he's he's getting it done from left side, right side. Um, yeah. What concerned me was how 
when the defense was like playing good ball or like okay ball in the first half, the middle of the field was getting picked on real hard and mm. a lot of it was in that area where you know is it bobby wagner's middle hook in a fire zone is bobby wagner the rat and they're playing mad coverage but essentially it was stuff where a guy who's more agile would surely be able to get underneath some of these like shallow crosses and be the help that the other players are expecting him to be rather than just running backwards while the ball's thrown to his side yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm not scapegoating, even though I basically just did scapegoat. But that was just something I noticed. I mean, you're just spitting facts. Spit facts. That just says what it is. Something that we do need to address. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. That's <clears throat> it's a problem. That's a problem that uh, you know they've been able to work around a little bit here, but uh, yeah, yeah, got exposed a and- little bit today. And uh, one thing I'd be interested on, Griff, is um, Griff and I, when we dived into the Cardinals film, uh, not Cardinals, Browns film, we focused on a specific run type that Cleveland was doing and how Seattle's structure for playing it was a bit weird and their play call uh, thing was weird. And and Griff, I'd be interested in your thoughts on... Well, firstly, I think it's kind of a fitting the culmination theme that we sort of began the show with. To me, the warning signs were there versus uh, the Browns, the Cardinals, that when a team, particularly in shotgun, but also could be pistol, but they they gap run well with the threat of a quarterback keeping the football, it Mm -hmm. can cause a few more problems for this structure, even if Seattle executes really well. Like, ultimately, you're going to have your schematic weaknesses. But then two, Griff, did we see a single snap of Nickel Bear? No. No. And I, I think that was it goes back to what you said about not wanting w- one of the edges to have a run pass conflict, um, or rather a run fit and pass drop conflict, um, just because you know the, the running back to the flat and then yeah. Lamar that that can just add add too much. Um, but that being said, they ended up just essentially as they have done all season, really as a kind of. Uh, stress alleviator basically pressuring into like right bare kind of looks um, and guys having to loop to contain and in on uh, yeah i but why we've raised this uh chat is and listener is because it feels like while it's really impressive that they've spent basically it's probably up there with i need to update my numbers but it's probably like 90 percent of their snaps in this nickel four down over front look and it's really impressive how they've been able to stop the run in that um, up until this game. I think they there's just a lack of diversity where I think teams, obviously, they, they watch each other's tape and how teams get successful on runs. Um, and, and while Seattle, they, they kind of maintain diversity or add diversity by stunting in that front, moving in that front and pressuring, <laughs> having just a different look like and running that different look and I think would probably have helped... Uh, it's basically defense about moving the weak point um, and, and moving your stress yeah. uh, and, and adding a strength, a different type of strength than nickel bear. So five guys down the line of scrimmage to start off with. And then what you can do off that would have been a different dynamic. And we we did wonder if they'd do it with our preview with Derek Clarson, because that's what Pete Carroll used to do against mobile quarterbacks, um, bear fronts. And, and it might have been a way of changing the picture I mean, I get 
I guess the second half got out of hand for probably um, non-schematic reasons, just execution, I guess. But and, yeah. and and part of it might be that he doesn't want. I mean, because because then you have to be repping like the 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 drops for the outside linebackers, and I don't think you want to do that without Nwosu. Nwosu, Mafe, um, he wouldn't mind. Uh, Taylor theoretically shouldn't mind, but I just don't think he wanted to put that on them. Um, no. You know, and, and um, also he doesn't want to not have a pass rush. It's and it's hard to get a four man rush out of that. He wants to keep the pressure on the quarterback because that helps them in the past game. Like yep. it's finally coming to fruition this year. So We've definitely seen it, and that's what he said in when I was like asking. Pete Carroll in the after the Munich game against Tampa Bay where they only played that nickel look basically didn't have the personnel didn't have Brian Monet active to play um bare like kind of looks he was like I, I think it's pretty um I forget what term he used but it's like basically pretty obvious why we like nickel it's for the pass rush and that has come to fruition this year and again with such a bad loss you can overreact to like a one game sample Overall, it's been a success. I just think the past three weeks, teams have got a bit better at how they run on it. That being said, you know, there's not many guys with Lamar Jackson. There's not many guys with uh, legs like PJ Walker. Like, um, mm-hmm. I mean, the commander, Sam Howe, isn't going to be as big a, <laughs> a problem as on quarterback keepers. Uh, right. Yeah. Ty, anything else on the defense? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, you know, as far as the run game or the run, uh, run success goes, uh, we started to see a couple little cracks in the Cardinals, uh, game. And then those cracks started to branch a little bit in the Browns game. And then the the dam just bust completely today. And it's really disappointing, but yeah, I think second half wise, that's just fresh frustration culminating and, and guys trying to do a little bit too much and we'll see, but I would think some of the tackle or missed tackles were probably guys going for the ball, just trying to make something happen at that point. Game's pretty much out of hand at that point. So yeah, uh, it's just a really disappointing effort, but also I, I think the cope here is that this is just like the extreme of the extremes. So hopefully some positive regression in the coming weeks. Yeah, that was hell. Um, so just overall, uh, yeah, John mentions in the chat Leonard Williams. Um, yeah. Yeah, he, there was some text, like tackle-end games where it looked interesting, but I don't know. Um, now, we did get a donation, actually, on the subject of defense from PO. Thank you. Uh, very nice uh, to donate. The Super Chat link is fairly simple, I think, uh, on YouTube. Draymond Jones was a bad signing. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was about right for the price, Griff. <laughs> I think the issue is that he was the he was overpaid, and I think they knew he was overpaid, and that's kind of reflected in the structure that they were outside right. of your one that's, and that's, two. Yeah, that's but important. he was he was the the best interior defensive lineman available after Hargrave, and they so they were also his, interested in Zach Allen, weren't they? But and Allen went for about the same. And Allen's not doing a whole lot. He's fine. No, and, the and pro- at least Draymond has actually against the run. I, I mean, this game it looked kind of rough out there, but uh, previous weeks he's he's uh, had some really good three tech, just getting upfield and the guard reps against the run. I, I think he's been pretty solid overall. Just he's never, as we saw from the tape, he's never going to be that complete game record disruptor. He's no. kind of a 
tier two uh, slash tier three, but on a good day could be almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those players have good games, right? Absolutely. They have high impact games, but he really has been coming on up until this game. He had been coming on slowly, but surely. And he did have that hip injury in the beginning of the year that is going to, you know, slow down your mobility, especially for a finesse guy. So, um, yeah, but they need more from everyone. They need more from everybody. And, and you um, know what, Grit? That that run that um, that big run from uh, number thirty-four, uh, where Tony Romo started talking about how Seattle was in too high and the safeties needed to come down, kind of quarterback brain. Um, but uh, Draymond got moved at three take there, and he he is like they've been playing light on the inside. It's not just that they were two, four, five, and they're in a forefront and nickel and they have these two wide edge types who 260 250 pounds but the two interior dudes are jaron reed and, and draymond jones and it's impressive to be able to do that you know uh but it felt like the ravens just bullied the crap out of them in this game like yeah. mauled them especially in that second half especially in that fourth quarter um yeah that's why leonard williams is addition and just a Another th- over three hundred pound guy was nice, but um, yeah, rough. Yep. All right. So, po- one positive uh, is that this is a rare defeat, as we s- talked about at the start of the show, and I think that's why it's uh, got uh, such a reaction from the fan base, from from us. Biggest loss of the the Seattle Overload podcast. So. Right. <laughs> right. Remember the yep. day. Um, yep. Never forget. This is like when the other uh, Visigoths sacked Rome. <laughs> There's too many of them. Yeah. Isn't it just like that, guys? Or is this it's, for like the Battle of Tuatoberg Forest? Like the video chat, if you agree. Varys, uh, give me back Griff. my legions of boom. Yeah. Right. So two okay. updates on injuries. Good one. Good one. I like that. I like that one. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> DJ Dallas hurt his shoulder. Um, they don't know the severity of it. Uh, Pete Carroll said afterwards, and then he also updated us on Derek Hall, who I think hurt a shoulder he'd already hurt. And if Hall is banged up, that's pretty severe for Seattle because it leaves them three deeper out outside linebacker edge rush. Maybe Levi Bell gets called up. We will see. Michael Dixon had a great game folks great game oh yeah so where are we at with um highest graded seahawk on the tdg meter it wouldn't be a bad seahawks loss without um looking at really like uh without looking at fourth down decisions um so where are you at with fourth and three uh seattle decided to punt from the Baltimore. It's like the forty-three, something like that. Yeah, I, why is this so bad? Yeah, it. I I can't find it for some reason. Sounds oh, this to me is like a f- user error. I don't know why I can't find this. Oh, error. forty-three. Yeah, Baltimore forty-three. This listed a fourth and four, so that's completely different. Um. Mm. Where are we at with that? Should we uh, we find Pete Carroll? 
Yeah, yeah. Fire, fire the hitting coach, folks. <laughs> uh, it got them down to the Baltimore four, and then Seattle. Why uh, would Jerry Depoto do this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Seattle forced uh, a three and out from there. So, right. Uh, Which you shouldn't. That... It should be process, not results. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, I guess knowing how the game went from that point forward, maybe. But like, in that moment. Like, I think yeah. the model said to go for it. Yeah, it did. It said uh, plus three win percentage. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you got to play to win. So, I mean, maybe strictly speaking, they probably should have. I, I'm, more, I'm more curious on the head, head coach's process or their, their thought process when they don't decide to go for it. Because so I'm sure they have that, that number – accessible to them because every team is an analytics department now yeah um, i i i guess i mean we kind of saw why you wouldn't in the whole game like when I mean, they, they were executing. passing down and if it was fourth and four i think it was and the 43 yard line was confusing moved to fourth and three so fourth and four um that was nightmare territory yeah and, and i know and i know this is this is misguided but to that point I think they were they had some confidence in their defense. Try to play a small game and they and, didn't want variance. I don't think they, they did, thought they needed to lean on high variance outcomes to their favor to win. I think they yeah. thought they were even with them until obviously they very weren't. Very yeah, much Pete weren't. said they thought it might go back and forth, and it kind of did at the start, and then they you, trapped. You it. could you can see why they thought that at least absolutely, to begin. absolutely. I don't think they deluded there. Oh, right. Well, chat. That is uh, the least copy Seattle Overload podcast ever, I think. But we'll be back. Uh, we need to find a guest. Oh, no, we have a guest. We have a great guest to preview the, the Commanders game. Really, really good expert. That'll be, I think, on Tuesday night. And then Wednesday or Thursday, or uh, Griff and I will be reviewing the tape from the uh, this past game, it'll be a real mess. We'll have to try and find some key topics to focus on. Also, Leonard Williams did play in this game, but we didn't really see the best of him. However, if you watch Griff's video on him, you'll see the best of him. So you can get excited about that. And if you watch my video on Jerick Reed, the safety who got some defensive action, up to his defensive snap count this game, uh, you'll see how he's balling out on special teams. I don't know if he had a special teams tackle today. But uh, as Jay says in the chat, this was a debacle. And that's that. Thank you, everyone. Like the video, comment down below, subscribe to the channel, uh, follow uh, Griff at C Mike Spinmoo, follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers, follow me at Matty F. Brown, and follow the podcast at Seattle Overload Five Star Reviews. Please and thank you.